Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our online service today. Wherever you are located or whatever time of day it is that you're viewing this service, we thank you for taking the time to join with us and we pray that even though we are separated physically, you will feel part of God's family and experience his love and presence as we worship him together. My name is Ken Carter, I'm a member of Brighton Road and I'll be leading our worship today as we continue in our series on people of prayer. And Michael Hogg, our leader of community evangelism, will be speaking to us on this subject a bit later in the service, focusing on Acts chapter four. And I'm delighted that we'll have contributions from other members of our church family as part of our worship. Our call to worship begins with the opening verses of Psalm nine, which contain these words of worship and praise to God. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. And then from verse seven, we're reminded of the limitless power, authority, love and faithfulness of the God we worship today. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And we end in verse 11, which includes this instruction. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. And so we respond with two songs that enable us to express our worship and praise of Almighty God our Father and Jesus our Lord and Saviour. My lips shall praise you, my great Redeemer, and my Jesus, my Saviour. Lord, there is none like you. And so we worship God together.
May I lead you in prayer. Let's pray together. God of grace and mercy and peace, we open our hearts and minds and souls to worship you this day. And we thank you that because of your immeasurable love for us, we will dwell in your kingdom and live in your presence. We thank you for your deep and unending faithfulness to us as individuals and as a church. And we thank you, Lord, that our lives are blessed and strengthened and empowered by the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that even though we gather together at different times and in different locations, we're still part of your family and able to join with Christians across the world to worship and glorify your holy name. Wherever we are, Lord, please come to us. Be with us, inspire us and lead us in the time that we will spend with you today in worship. We ask all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Many of you at Brighton Road will be aware that I was born and brought up in Glasgow, a city with a rich, diverse and at times perhaps rather dark history, not least in the sectarian rivalry between its two main football clubs. But it's now a vibrant, contemporary and multicultural place and home to well over one and a half million people. Glasgow has always had a strong sense of community and that was demonstrated in a unique way through an incident that took place almost exactly a month ago in the south side of the city. Some of you might recall seeing on the news how the UK border force had been sent into the Pollock Shields area to detain and deport two Indian Sikhs who were deemed to be in the UK illegally. News of the raid went viral in the local area and the officers quickly found themselves and their van surrounded by a large crowd of locals conducting an occasionally noisy but otherwise peaceful protest demanding the immediate release of the two men. One man, nicknamed Van Man by some of the news outlets, even crawled under the van and stayed under it for the duration of the protest to stop it from moving. Now, some might argue that there should not have been any attempt to stand in the way of the Home Office exercising its right to uphold the law. But I ask you please just to put aside that natural bias towards law and order for a moment as we delve a little deeper into the story. Few concrete facts are available, but reports suggest that these men had been living in Glasgow with their families for over 10 years. And that was not all, for in an area with a sizable Islamic presence, a home office raid during Eid, which marks the end of the Islamic period of Ramadan, seemed a little insensitive. One might suggest the UK border force chose the wrong day and, and perhaps even the wrong city. There will of course be different opinions and much to debate about all of this. But for me, one aspect shone brightly as an example of hope for Glasgow and indeed for society well beyond its city boundaries. If you saw the TV reports or the internet images, you could not have failed to notice that the protesters were mainly white Caucasians, predominantly solid, no-nonsense Glaswegians, standing resolutely alongside a sizable Islamic representation. And together they were chanting and carrying placards with a simple message, these are our neighbors. 
I was very moved by that expression of community spirit which bridged nationality and religion and culture in my home city. Luke's Gospel describes how Jesus was once asked, who is my neighbour? And he went on to tell the powerful story of the Good Samaritan. Had he been in Glasgow and not Galilee, he might have crafted a story as a ranger supporter, perhaps stopping in a dangerous environment to help a Celtic fan, or vice versa. Whatever the setting, the meaning would be clear. Our neighbours may have little in common with us in terms of background or culture or colour or religion, but if they need our help, they are our neighbours. And Jesus concludes the parable with the clear instruction, go and do likewise. In our sermon this week, Michael is focusing on the early Christian church as described in the book of Acts, a book with fascinating characters and intriguing incidents, which collectively provide a, a vivid picture of the early days of Christianity. As we listen later to Michael and reflect on how the disciples responded in prayer following the release of Peter and John from arrest by the Sanhedrin, and how they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak powerfully in the name of Jesus, we should remember that this was the early church in its very infancy. They had no written manual, previous model, or a project plan to draw upon, which is, I guess, rather like ourselves as we collectively emerge with slow and faltering steps from the pandemic and prayerfully seek to understand where God is leading us, what form our church life should take, and what our vision should be for the new post-pandemic future. So maybe the lesson from this reflection as we venture forward tentatively is simply remembering Jesus' commandment regarding our neighbours, including those who may have little in common with us, and reaching out to them in these coming days just to say, you are our neighbours and we stand with you in the love of Christ. What a tremendous first step that would be on our journey towards a new era in our collective ministry and service of God. And so we come together to sing another song, a song that unites us as a church and as a body of God's people in a prayer for renewal, for unity, for clarity of vision and courage in proclaiming the gospel. Lord of the church, we pray for our renewing. Christ over all, our undivided aim.
Will you come in your imagination and sit at the feet of God as we share our thoughts with him? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you acknowledging you to be our God, our Creator and our Saviour and Redeemer and wanting to worship you but recognising that your qualities of creativity and capacity for righteousness, goodness, love, compassion and mercy are of an order beyond our comprehension and so our worship is so very inadequate. Help us to love you, worship and obey you. We long for your kingdom to be fulfilled so that we and all creation may worship you wholeheartedly in spirit and truth and to that end we confess our pride and propensity to sin and we long for forgiveness, release and reconciliation. We come to you with a thankful heart for revealing to us the way of salvation through Jesus and the promise of life in your kingdom and the delights of this present life on earth within the fellowship of the church under your leadership. We thank you for your provision of our daily needs of food, shelter and security and we pray for all in the world where these needs are inadequately met and insecure. Lord, make us truly grateful and mindful of the needs of others. Lord, we pray for the world reeling under the effects of the Covid virus and particularly those places where there is little protection by vaccine. Lord, we pray for those charged with the distribution and production of that of vaccine, that you will prosper their work. Lord, we pray for the protection of Christian workers in developing economies. We pray for wise government for many lands and particularly our own, as it wrestles with the problems of our children's education, containment of the virus and the effects of the disrupted economy on families' well-being. Lord, we pray for your church, seeking to be a worshipping, witnessing and loving community. Guide us in our living, the use of our resources, our working and our speaking. Give us sensitive eyes to see the needs of others. Lord, we live in a world so full of injustice and unfairness, so that we long for your return. Until then, Lord, keep us close to yourself. And as we read and your word and come to you in prayer and seek to love and serve you, day by day. Amen. Today's reading comes from Acts 4, 23-31. The Believer's Prayer. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers and the band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I'd like to thank Brian for bringing our prayers of intercession and Ruth for our reading this morning. Before Michael speaks to us on the passage in Acts chapter 4, we're going to sing again. And in the initial notes that I made in preparing this service, I'd, I'd labelled our next song as Keeping Our Eyes on the Prize. It's a song that speaks powerfully of our future reward beyond this world, in our new eternal home as described in the book of Revelation in chapter 21, where we find these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or moaning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And so we sing today. There is a higher throne than all this world has known, where faithful ones from every tongue will one day come. And so we worship God together.
we continue our series today looking at prayers found within scriptures and today we consider one of the prayers of the early church found in Acts chapter 4. The religious authorities of the day were greatly disturbed both by the message of the resurrection of the dead through Jesus and the rapid growth of this body of believers. They wanted to, quote, stop this thing from spreading any further among the people. Peter and John were in the firing line. They were put in prison and they were warned to speak no longer to anyone in the name of Jesus. In fact, they were commanded not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. However, Peter and John upon release from prison and having been threatened further, reported back to the gathered group of believers all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when that body of believers heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So firstly, I want us to note that this was a prayer that is loud and united. They raised their voices together in prayer. When faced with difficulty, we as church must make a noise before God and be united about it. God loves and responds to passionate, heartfelt, unified prayer. Let's not stifle or silence prayer. Let's not confine prayer to a quiet time alone or a quiet time together. Let us get worked up and desperate before God. When faced with opposition, may we respond with prayerful, noisy unity. Secondly, this is a prayer to God, of course, but what kind of God? Well, we see God addressed in this way. They pray to a God who is sovereign and Lord. God is king. He is ruler. He is boss. They are subject to him. They submit to him. What he says goes. Whatever trouble they encounter from those with worldly, religious or political authority, God is over and above even them. This is not some small, limited, powerless God. This is the God, the one true and only God. Secondly, they pray to God who is creator. They said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, God does not need to be reminded of what he did when he created all things in the beginning. But the church is acknowledging that this God is the one who both forms and fills. He formed the heavens, earth and sea and filled them up with everything. So God not only creates, he rules. We owe our entire existence, habitation and provision to God. Thirdly, this is a God who speaks. In contrast to mute idols, God has a voice. He has something to say. We need to be, therefore, those who listen and pay attention. And they describe one of the ways that God speaks. He speaks by the Holy Spirit through people. In this instance, through David, a king, a prophet, a servant, one of their ancestors. You spoke by the Holy Spirit 
through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. God speaks also, therefore, by the Spirit through the scriptures which they are quoting from. This prayer is rooted in scripture, in the revealed word of God and by the Spirit of God. It is vital that we as church are church of both the word of God and the Spirit of God, that we stay true to the scriptures and keep in step with the Spirit. You see, the church becomes weak, watered down, ineffective, introspective, without the Word and the Spirit together. May we each get to know Scripture so that we may readily pray Scripture, pray God's words back to him. Fourthly, they are praying to a God who is in control, no matter what their present circumstances may seem to say otherwise. The scriptures they quote, you see, reveal God's sovereign knowledge and action. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. These prophetic words find their fulfilment both in what the church is experiencing and what Jesus experienced. They understand that just as Jesus experienced, so will they experience. I tell you now, if you want a nice and easy and comfortable life, then uh, and without persecution, then don't follow Jesus. Don't make him your Lord and King, and don't share or speak his word with those around you. You see, Jesus made a promise to all who would follow him that they would experience what he experienced, persecution, even death. In this prayer, note the four-way collaboration of persecution. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, the people of Israel. Do not be surprised if in your devotion to Jesus you are on the receiving end of an orchestrated persecution. But take heart. Look to the God who is aware, who is in control, who is sovereign. This prayer reminds us that even those who conspire together against God and against his obedient servants themselves simply are they serve under God. This four-way conspiracy did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen, they pray to God. Know that even in the toughest of times that God's power, God's will and God's plans cannot be thwarted. In fact we're told clearly in scripture that what is intended for bad and evil God uses for good. So with this kind of God in the frame what are the actual requests of this prayer? Well firstly they ask God to consider. Now Lord consider their threats. See the believers present the threats made against them to the throne of grace. Note that they are not asking for the threats to be 
dissolved or nullified or not to come to pass. They recognise that these threats are all too real. They're not empty threats. There is a power and authority behind them. They have seen their Lord and Master, Jesus, uh, on trial, tortured and crucified. They know the clear and present danger of the religious power base of their day. However, they are fixing their eyes on the one who is all-powerful, who is in supreme authority, the one who is in control and has the power over and above even earthly kings and leaders to bring about his greater purposes. May we be those who come humbly before our God and ask him to consider the situation that we are in, not necessarily to remove us from the situation or remove the situation from us, but to move powerfully within the situation and within us. Secondly, they pray that God would enable. Enable your servants. They are asking God to enable them as his followers within the situation under consideration. But enable them to do what? To fight? To run? To hide? No, to speak. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. How incredible to ask such a thing, for it seems mostly because of their mouths. They're speaking the truth of the word of God about Jesus that has landed them in this situation. But they know that they must share this message whatever they are warned or commanded to do or not to do they must do what is right in God's eyes even at the risk of their own lives. Peter and John have already said to those in power which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him you be the judges as for us we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They recognise, though, their need for courageous boldness from God to persevere. Whatever situation we find ourselves in as church, may we cry out to God for him to enable us to speak his word with great boldness, even if it lands us in even hotter water. I think, perhaps, that one of the reasons the church does not grow in a land or that the church stagnates or putrefies is because it is silent. Woe to the church that wants to be comfortable, acceptable, invisible. Woe to the church that is silent about the salvation which is found only in Jesus that there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. What if we carried the message of Jesus upon our lips as the early church did? What if we cried out to God for his enabling to be bold in speech? And what if he answered our cry? The third request made in this prayer is for God to stretch. Stretch out your hand. 
You see, God stretching out his hand comes after the enabling of his servants to speak with boldness. We as church have our parts to play, that God may have his parts to play. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Oh, how we would love healings, signs, wonders. Yet are we willing to first ask for that enabling of our part to play, our speaking God's word to all? As we step forwards in faith, as we stretch forwards in faith, in our words and our deeds as church, I believe that God will stretch out his hand and demonstrate his mercy and grace, his power and strength, his compassion and kingdom through healings, signs and wonders. So are we as a church willing to pray this prayer? Sovereign Lord, consider our situation, the difficulties we experience, the threats. Enable us to boldly bring your word to the people despite the fa in the face of risks. And as we stretch out in faith, then stretch out your hand and act. And we see that this prayer was answered with a shaking, a filling and an emboldening. They received the answer to their prayers and much more. And as we continue to read the book of Acts, we see that prayer continues to be a foremost feature of the life of a vibrant and growing church in its ministry and mission. So will prayer be our first resort?
Thank you for joining us for our worship today. We're delighted that you found time to be part of our service and we pray God will bless you this day and in the coming week as you seek to serve him and to share his love in the community in which he has placed you. Next week is our last online worship service, certainly for the time being as we focus on returning to live services in our church building and we very much look forward to welcoming all of our church family, friends and visitors back together as we join in worship in person once again. We close our service today with these words of commission. As you go from here into the week ahead, with whatever joys and challenges it holds, do not be discouraged or disheartened. Remember the glory that awaits you as a child of God. Hold on to that truth, live in that hope, and may the peace of God, the blessing of Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you and among you. Amen. Now may the peace of